Hang on a second. Now I've, this is like the most. It's unpro- a very professional setup, isn't it? Well, do you know what? I was you. I was literally just about to talk about how unprofessional this is. How professional? It almost looks like I've planned this, and I sort of have, but I've lost my questions in the whole thing. Don't worry, we can, we can and I'm, I've got, I'm the most, yeah, exactly, and I, well, I don't know if I can. <laughs> I'm right. sure you can. <laughs> <laughs> we can just um, get up and ask anything that comes to mind. Okay. Hello, my name's Rob Cutforth, and this is The End of All Things. I'm coming to you today from the Edinburgh Book Festival, the largest book festival in all the world, I think. I have somehow managed to wangle a bona fide press pass, like I'm someone that actually knows what he's doing, and weaseled my way into Garth Greenwell's show, his talk, and uh, he's... And then I tweeted about it, and he's liked the tweet. So I might actually get an interview with him uh, randomly. Pro- proper guerrilla podcasting this. I'm absolutely staggered at how lovely and nice the people here were. You'd think the largest book festival in the world would be quite snooty and uh, standoffish about some punk who just rocks up with a microphone and wanting to record. Um, they, didn't, it's, they didn't know me either. It's not like they went, oh, yeah, end of all things. Yeah, yeah, we know that step right this way, sir. They were like, sorry, what's your name? How do you spell it? Obviously. So the fact that they said, yeah, yeah, here's your lanyard. You want to go see anything? (laughs) I was like, "Uh, yes, Garth Greenwell. And just, I mean, this very, very second, Garth Greenwell has liked the tweet. So I don't know. He might actually be interviewed. I'm basically, the, the interview in this podcast is Emma Jane Unsworth, and I talked to her from the Wilderness Festival. So this is kind of a festival-tastic podcast. Two festivals in one podcast. So the sounds you can hear behind me now are drunk Scots, book people, and then the ones that you hear in the Emma thing are drunk posh people at uh, the Wilderness Festival. If you hear... Ah, that's a show in progress that's just finishing. This might be a problem. I hope that they are going to move on to another speaker and not come barreling out of the doors. Okay, so what's going on here? Oh, my God. Green Garth Greenwell just replied. Interest, absolutely. Time is in the hands of Camilla Elworthy. Please say hello, and thank you very much. Oh, well, I'll be a monkey's butt. I'm just... Okay, I can't, re- I can't tweet while I'm actually... That just happened this very second. I'm interviewing Garth Greenwell. So that will be an upcoming podcast, hopefully. Um, shit, now i got to know some shit about him. Okay. What have I got myself into? Okay. So maybe I should stop doing the intro and actually do some research. Whoa. This is going to be an interesting interview because I've only read a few pages of the book. And that usually doesn't stop me from the interview, but I usually have some backup stuff. I'm panicking a little bit. Okay. Well, how, what am I going to do here? Okay. Relax. Yeah. So anyway, I'm, that's a bit surprising. Um, I'm basically, the, the idea of coming up here was just to have an excuse to write off my expenses and just by podcasting in the grounds of the book festival. And then I could so now I'm going to actual interview with someone. So I can definitely write this off. 
thank you very much. Um, today, like I mentioned, I talked to Emma Jane Unsworth, who is probably the most famous writer I've spoken to so far. I know I say that pretty much every time, but I think it's always true. Boy, that woman's voice is annoying, her laugh. Um, today I talked to Emma Jane Unsworth. Fuck off, woman. And I know that, you know, fame is in no way quantifiable or even remotely important, so who cares? Is she more famous than Andrew McMillan or Jen Ashworth? I'll let you decide. Does it matter? No. What is important is that she is a writer and a very good one, and she's from the North. Garth Greenwell's not from the North. I don't, is he even, I think he's American even. This is how little I know about him. What am I going to do? Okay. Emma Jane Unsworth when I interviewed her at the Wilderness Festival, the poshest festival in the world, uh, she was heavily pregnant. Uh, so she has, she actually has every right to be kind of cranky with me, but she isn't. Uh, she's probably just as nice as Jen Ashworth, maybe even nicer. I don't know if it's because they're northern writers or, I don't know what it is, but virtually everyone I've spoken to on this podcast so far um, each one has been nicer than the one before. Well, or as nice. Come on. That's not a very good thing to say. It's been part, I, I can't believe how uh, welcoming. And not just the writers, but book festivals. What, am I, what the fuck am I doing here? I'm about to interview Garth Greenwell. I interviewed Emma at the Wilderness Music Festival um, just after her interview with a rival literature podcast. And um, the Wilderness Festival was an experience. It was interesting. At, I've never been to a festival as posh as that and I've been to Hay on Why like this out posh even that and I know I've done two podcasts dissing posh people maybe I've done more but who cares they deserve it if you want an idea of how posh the Wilderness Festival is I was walking behind some guy some big gentleman and his bank card fell out of his pocket a black American Express now that's the that's the card that like Britney Spears has isn't it there's like six people on the planet that have that card. Uh, and on the card, it said, Lord Piddick. Lord. It, that was, it didn't say, you know, whatever his real first name is, Roger Piddick. That's not his name. I don't know what it is. But um, Lord, Lord Piddick. So I picked it up and I went, Piddick. And he turned around and he uh, was, you know, all smiles. Yes. Eh, uh, uh. Then he realized he had no idea who I was. And I was a bit of a scruffy ruffian. Gave it back to him, and he just kind of, you know, I think that might be posh for thank you, but I'm not entirely sure. Uh, Googled him afterwards to see, to read up on the guy, and it wasn't him. It was some other guy with Lord Piddick's cards. He's out there spending Lord Piddick's money. Well, probably our money, let's be honest, because that's how things go in this country. The Wilderness Festival put me in a weird place, really. Uh, not just literally, but metaphysically. It is probably the most middle-class festival in the UK, but it's got two of my favorite things. It's orderly and it's well-behaved. God, this woman's dying of fucking consumption. Uh, people actually put their garbage in bins in the Wilderness Festival, which is quite a nice thing and something that's surprising at a festival of any kind in this country. Uh, and also, they weren't throwing pint pots of their own piss at each other. I tell you, the Cortinas at the Delamere Forest, if you have a, ever have the chance to see... Oh, that's 
Jonathan Safran for standing right beside me doing a reading to camera. Um, Jesus, this is really distracting. It's really tough for me to... It's proper setup they've got. That is a quality microphone on a boom. Um, telling him to hold the book up. Uh, I read his book, Everything is Illuminated, for the MA. Oh, he's, he's looked at me just as I said that. And um, I... It's a, it, I love the book, actually, and I was probably the only person in the class that did. There is a, a section of it. I'm not too sure what was going on. Where he, for, I think, three or four pages, he just write, wrote, I am writing, I am writing, I am writing, repeatedly. Have you read it? It's a Marmite book, definitely. But the, the story, it's about, I think it's two different stories in one. The story of the, when they're in Russia. I'm not going to say much more about it, but that's, I wish the book was just about that. God, those people are really annoying. Actually, I shouldn't say that. The whole reason I wanted to record from here is because I get some of the uh, background bits. I don't think I can actually speak for much longer because I've only got so much time to research Garth now because he's coming on. I shouldn't keep saying that just in case it doesn't happen. Now I'll have to edit all that out. That'd be annoying. Um, yes, so maybe I'll stop talking about the writers that are around me and talk about the one I interviewed some more. Sorry, Emma. Emma's seriously awesome book, Animals, is... Um, if you've not read it, you should because it's very good. And it's about... Well, I guess the best way to describe it, and I, I put this to Emma in the interview, is that it is with Nail and I, with girls. That's, uh, Caitlin Moran said that, uh, not me, because I wouldn't have the guts to say that. And um, I put, put that to her and asked her if she was okay with it, and uh, she surprisingly was. So, fuck me, what is going on? If there's, is that a garbage truck or something? Can you actually still hear me over all the stuff that's happening? There's literally three people around me now. And, well, plus the camera crew and Jonathan Safran for they're actually struggling in the same way with all the crashing and the talking. She was just about to come over here, I think, and tell me to shut up. Yeah. Oh, she didn't talk to me. I'm quiet enough, I guess. Thank you, lady. No. Oh, it's a big to-do now. He's embarrassed. Old Jonathan Safran for. He's blushing. He's smiling. He now wants to read. Um, the loud people—they've made them leave, and he's not happy. Anyway, um, this is what's happening in front of me. That's that was a very nice anecdote. Hopefully, I didn't speak too stupidly about it, and I can leave it in. I, I wonder if they didn't, she didn't kick me out because of my red lanyard I've got on. Uh, I'm actually bona fide. I'm press here, which is quite cool. I, don't, I bet she did. I bet, I bet that's what saved me here just now. Fantastic. Emma's book, Animals, what I was about to say, is currently being made into a movie. And you will kind of hear me in this. It's slightly embarrassing, actually. Uh, jokingly, not jokingly, tried to get a part in it. I don't remember there being a whingy Canadian knobhead in the book, but uh, surely they could add one to the movie. I could be like a, I don't know, a bouncer or something. Um, why not? I could probably do a mank accent. Yeah, sort of a fucking sig, you knobhead. Maybe not. That was offensive, wasn't it? I, I, I can't tell if that was really offensive uh, to you or embarrassing for me or both. Probably both. Um, but you know what? Next time you, the English public, come up to me and go, hey, rap, uh, do that accent at me, thinking that's what Canadians sound like, just remember the accent I just did. 
that's what you sound like to me when you do my accent. Uh, I don't know why anyone listens to this podcast. Why do you listen to this podcast? I'm, I, I just abuse you and myself and the person I talk to. It's like I've got some kind of Stockholm Syndrome hold over you. I don't know. What am I talking about? This is ridiculous. I'm totally um, distracted by this interview thing that's happening next door. After the interview that you'll be hearing, uh, Emma does a reading from her brand new book that she's writing right now. No one's seen it. You'll be hearing words that no one else has heard. I don't. Th- not even her agent. So aren't you a lucky duck? There is a part of me that wants to keep all these words to myself. But listen, uh, uh, Joe Bell has taught me to be sharing and cooperative, which is why I mentioned the other podcast, Literary Friction, and that you should listen. Like, I guess there's room in people's lives for more than one podcast. I'm not sure I totally agree with that. Jonathan Saffron, for, for, I don't even have to say his name. I probably fucked it up three or four times already. They've just packed up and left. And okay, now it's just me. They, she did me a massive favor by getting rid of those loud people. Thank you very much. Camera lady, director. I don't know if Emma would have a problem with me telling you this. When she does the reading, she got quite emotional, actually. Which, um, and we had a properly warm hug afterwards as well. It is so funny how words can bring people together. And I know that sounds like a terrible 80s Coke commercial. Let's all hold hands, you hippie fucks. It is absolutely blistering hot today. It's really strange because it's the end of August and people who listen to this from places outside of the UK think, well, yeah, of course it's hot. It's the end of August. No, this is the UK. You get hot from like April 1st to April 30th. And then usually the rest of the year is um, intolerable, frankly. Um, But I'm absolutely sweating my, you know what, where? I came up for the fringe basically with some mates and I saw some really good shows. Uh, I don't, I'm not going to talk about them because it's silly to talk about the shows after they're finished because what good is that to you really? But I did see one and I ordinarily hate audience participation, but I was there and this, it was a, a show, it's like a mighty boosh basically so it's kind of like surrealist um, some comedy and some crazy shit these two women I should have looked up their names it was there were two Irish names Rasheen I'll put a link to their well what's the point anyways and one of the women came up to me in a full wedding dress straddled me and then whipped her hair around and uh, pretended to snog me so that was terrifying. Yeah, so I just finished talking about how sunny it is. This sounds like it's just happening straight after I just said that, and it's raining now. Um, But some time had passed because I had to stop the podcast and figure out what the fuck I'm going to ask Garth Greenwell. Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave the rest of this intro for now, and uh, I'll see what happens with Garth Greenwell, and then maybe do some more podcasting afterwards. This is now Emma Jane Unsworth. Listen. I know some of your mates. 
Oh, right, really? Get Ashwick. Mm. Okay. I wasn't going to say your name, but you, and you okay. were going to figure it out, weren't you? <laughs> and I said, okay, I need, I need stuff from you to ask Emma. Inside information? Yeah. And what did she give you? And I said, I don't want dirt. Like, I don't want, like, two... Something that'll ruin yeah. her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just something like a quirky <laughs> anecdote. Reputation. Or Nothing that's gonna yeah, drag her through the mud. Yeah, I'll get to those. I might. I don't know if I want to. Should I start with those? Whatever, whatever you want. We can I was go gonna... in at the deep end if you want. I was gonna... <laughs> okay. No, let's not. Let's save it. Do you want to start by talking about your new book? I do. Yeah. Okay. What so, is it? What is it? It's something that has taken over my life yeah. for the past six to nine months in a very intense way, and um, and it's been it's been the hardest thing I've ever done. Why? Um, partly because um, because after animals did did okay. Yep. That meant I was in. I was quite scared about where to go next for numerous reasons because I didn't want to let down readers, yeah. and I thought like I felt like I had something to live up to in some yeah. ways, and also like you know kind of wanted it, yeah just was was just sort of like full of questions and kind of um, questions about kind of where to, where to go next and what to do next. So it's not a challenging subject. It's something that's challenging you. No, it's just it's, worry then about. It was a mix. It was challenging subject as okay. well because it's a, it's a lot about a mother daughter relationship. Okay. That's the kind of central relationship. And it's also about a woman who uh, becomes kind of addicted to the internet or has that propensity. Okay. And spirals um, sort of out of control um, online, and it's a comedy. So it's oh. kind of all of those, wow. all of those things, um, and it's about two women: a 35-year-old woman and her mother, who's 60, and who are both at points of crisis in their life for different reasons, Gosh. even though they don't know it. And, and their relationship is about to kind of hit a wall as well. Shit! So there's so a lot going on. There's a hell of a lot. There's a hell of a lot. And then kind of my own, and then yeah, the meta sort of like level my own sort of worries about how this was a follow-up and where it's going to go, and sort of yeah, where yeah. I'm that kind of personally as well. Yeah. And also being pregnant, I couldn't drink through this one. Oh. Normally I can. Of like yeah. normally I do write with a glass of wine at least in the evenings. I don't yeah, write yeah, yeah. drunk. Um, I but, won't I do, tell. but I do <laughs> <laughs> No one listens to this anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I can't write drunk. I've tried to write drunk. I yeah. wish I could write drunk. Yeah. But I can't. Um, so yeah it's, I just tend to um, have a glass of wine in the evening and a glass of wine to kinda of like you know sort of quell the self-doubt and I do self-medicate in that way and I'm not ashamed of it and it yeah. works for me and it's fine I don't have a problem blah 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 my lord Good. But, um, but in this case obviously I couldn't be pregnant yeah. so I had to do the whole damn thing sober Right. And that was different that was a very different working process for me so you're writing worried through. writing worried and yeah. yeah and just having to kind of just sort of steal it out and just kind yeah. of you know write through all of that and it's, it's a job that I love and yeah. it's not a hard job in many 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 ways um, I disagree with that do you? I think Go it's on. well I'd say I'm well I don't really know because I'm not a professional published writer but I, I find writing the most difficult thing in the world to do yeah I do, yeah, sometimes you do feel... Um, but it's, you find it really easy, do you? Like it just kind of oh, spews out of you? No, 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 yeah. no, not at all. But I feel like I can't really say I'm at the coal face of <laughs> popular <laughs> yeah. literature. See, that's, that's, like a, yeah, that's the most northern thing. Like, I know, this is exactly. it, see, it's my northern work. work well, I'm not even working class anymore, but I, was, I, you know, yeah. I still sometimes try and blag it. I said the same thing, because I'm from a small town in western Canada, in Alberta, and I said to somebody... Uh, who was writing? I said, "Well, it's not. You're not working on the rigs. Like you're not out, you know, <laughs> doing something yeah. really different." And then you realize, 
It's not actually true. It is really difficult, right? Yes, it's, I think it is anyway. It's all relative, isn't it? And I think, yeah. you know, you can't... It's following the logic of that, it's, it's like saying, you know, only the person who has the hardest job in the entire world has the right to yeah. feel hard done by. Yeah. And it's like, are any of us going to try and find that person to say, is it okay for me to feel bad too? No, because no. he'll be an so asshole. He'll be too tired to even answer. Yeah, he'll be on... He, he can't have a conversation with that guy. No, he's so drunk. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so, yeah, you're right. I mean, yeah, it's yeah. really hard. And, um, and, and I kind of had lots of sort of... But I, do you know what? I kind of think it's useful as well. I had lots of crises of confidence writing this book, okay. but I've done it, by God, I've written it, and I've yeah. kind of sent it off to my agents reading it this weekend, so we'll, we'll no Ooh. doubt have, um, we'll have some work to do yeah. on it, some edits before it then goes um, on to the next kind of like, yeah, stage of its life, hopefully, um, but you know, it's, it's, I don't think it's a bad thing to be wracked with self-doubt, actually, and to kind of be questioning where you're at, and to, and to not feel complacent, because I think complacency yeah. is the death of creativity, and a yeah. good exploration of anything yeah. and uh, and if you seek to explore and find out more about yourself and the world then you've got to kind of live with your nerves on the outside a bit I think to do that well yeah. so well, if, you think, if you think if you, as soon as you think you're very good at something yeah then you're probably shit yeah well you've probably <laughs> peaked anyway you can't get better yeah yeah Ooh. <laughs> it's anathema, isn't it? It's mm-hmm. kind of like true creativity and, and good, productive, um, fun produ- um, creativity. Yeah. So I think now I can say this because I've kind of cleared that, cleared the hurdle of getting the first draft done and off and the blank page yeah. no more kind of like holds that horror for me every day. Um, I think it was good that I was in that state and I've probably written a better book for being in that state. So, does that mean the next one, when you're not pregnant, no booze? <laughs> no booze. Interesting. We shall see. I don't know. I, I can't... Maybe I'll just be pregnant every time. Yeah, oh, God. No, no, <laughs> what if no, that, no. Well, see, the, the book is amazing, you know. New York Times bestseller and sets the world alight. Maybe I'll You need to be thinking, pregnant every time. Oh, my God, this is due yeah. to the fact that I, yeah, I have to be pregnant every time yeah. I write a book. That would be terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Do you, you talk about the characters of it yes do you worry about plot at all all the time <laughs> okay so you do you do plot out things so it, I, I, I find especially when you read animals it just feels like it's you start you definitely started with the characters yeah and I it feels like when you're reading it that the plot kind of worked itself out as yeah. it's going <laughs> but I think that's a sign of a good writer because you probably well yeah I think you probably you probably planned it massively but because you can't feel well maybe you didn't I did you tell me well I think as a writer, you grow to know your strengths and your weaknesses, and I know that plot ain't one of mine. Okay. Um, Character and voice, sure, and and sort of jokes now and then. Yeah, no, definitely. But kind of, but not plot and not story and not not structure, really. So this is something that I feel like, you know, with every book I get a little bit better at, but but I know it's not one of my strengths. So it really is something that I really feel that's where I need the help of an editor and my agent, and they're really good at kind of coming and saying, you know, that is just way too Scooby-Doo, that ending, that's just you you pesky kids, you know, (laughs) get get rid of that, you know, make it more subtle, make it more big. The ending of Animals was very different on the first draft mm. and luckily editors stepped in and saved me and it just made made me look like a far better writer than I am yeah. um, or far better novelist than I am for sure so Nonsense. so so yeah no no it's, it's really true I think that you know I'm not a great plotter um, mm. and it was and it came about more when um, well, the realisation came about more when I was writing the screenplay of Animals mm-hmm. and I worked out what I was precious about as a writer when it was kind of when, when, when the story was being when the book was being kind of blown apart and yeah. we were starting from scratch and rebuilding it as, as a, something that, that took an hour and a half to watch and worked yeah. visually then I realised 
I actually really wasn't precious about story and plot yeah. and I was very happy to completely rewrite that side of things as long as the characters stayed the same I mean the central story arc is still essentially the same but everything that goes on in between the way that Laura gets from A to B yeah. has changed you know has changed up for grabs but then I was really precious about some of the one-liners and some of the things like that yeah. far more precious about like that yeah. than some entire ca- you know sort of like yeah character sequences <laughs> they're librarians now yeah. but at least but at least they say the same things <laughs> at least, yeah. yeah 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 they've got the, the, the well that jokes. moves very nicely to the next thing I was going to ask you about Ooh. obviously movies yes uh, did, was, did the movie come first or did the screenplay come first did you write it thinking okay I'm going to push this oh, to make it right or, or did the movie people come to you they came well Sarah Brocklehurst who's the brilliant producer that I'm working with she came to me before the book had even come out because she heard a few people having a talk about it on Twitter um, and so um, so yeah so she sort of like got in touch and asked to meet me and I met with her and I just instantly kind of got on with her and thought she really got the book and so yeah. she optioned it and since then, she kind of, you know, has been a real driving force in, in yeah. sort of getting the funding together for me to write the screenplay. And she trusted me with writing the screenplay, which was yeah. brilliant. Um, and I'd always wanted to because I love writing dialogue. And even though I know it's about so much more than that now, but but I've always kind of, I've always wanted to um, have a go at writing a screenplay. And I guess I'd always thought about animals as, you know, in, in, in scenes and... In my head, I always had the scenes as, as very... I don't know how other writers work, but I always saw the characters playing out scenes very visually in my head, like I was, you know, like it was a film. And also I had a soundtrack yeah. um, that I kept... Um, now I keep a Spotify playlist, but I don't think I was quite advanced enough to have Spotify when I was writing Animals. And I just sort of had... Um, maybe it was just a list of songs that I listened to and repeat on YouTube. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you had a say in the music as well? No, no, okay. no. This was just how I kind of wrote the book. Right. But I know because of that, even just the word soundtrack means yeah. that I was thinking about this in a way that was a bit like playing out like a movie okay. rather than a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I knew that was kind of like going on in my head. Um, so, so yeah, and then sort of then I wrote the screenplay. The screenplay's had about four drafts now um, and I feel like it's just, you know, it's, it's kind of like it's it's good now. It took me yeah. a long time to get it to get it good because there were so many things to learn. It was a completely new medium for me. Yeah. Um, and it was the I'm surprised. They, I su- I'm surprised that they were so open to the novelist I to know, writing the screenplay because usually it. they never do that do they? I know because no, no. they usually go no we don't want we don't want you anywhere near this thing I think if it, it had been a Hollywood blockbuster then maybe someone would have had yeah, something to say right, right, <laughs> he was right. putting in several you know billion pounds or whatever. Yeah. But, um, but because it's an indie movie yeah. um, it, it was it, yeah we kind of like being more experimental and there's yeah. more creative freedom and we're not at the mercy of our finances and so um, because of all of that I think they gave me they gave me the chance to do it fantastic is it the best? Is it the best? Is it just the best thing ever being oh. around, being an, inside the movie? No, no. Yeah. I know, yeah. Is the screen is it the it best screenplay that's ever been made? It's better than Gladiator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's the most surreal, yeah. crazy experience. Kind of thinking that it's going to exist as this as this other entity, yeah. and that people are talking about when I'm not there as well, which is yeah. kind of a weird thing. So the director, who's called Sophie Hyde, um, she's having chats with actors and kind of casting, and and she's kind of having talk. She's talking with them about this thing. Okay. That I I have made when I'm not there and then it's moving on from there and that's a really lovely and slightly strange new collaborative experience yeah. for a novelist who normally works solo you know yeah. and, and kind of and you are you know until it goes to your editor at least you it's just you yeah. making something whereas this this film has you know a life that is spinning off in all directions with, with many 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 people yeah. who are kind of taking custodianship of it and, and driving it on and that's just um, that's a great new thing to, to, to feel 
Wow. So uh, so they've not started filming then? No. Oh. The plan is to start filming in spring next year. Okay. In Manchester. Yeah. How do I get in it? How do you get in it? Can you write me in? Can you do another draft and write me in it? There must be some Canadian guy that just comes in. There's going to be some big bar scenes and clubs. Canadian guy with a hat. I don't even even need a line. Fluoro crop top (laughs) and um, and, and glow sticks. I don't know know if I can manage that. Yeah, I don't know if I can manage that. I have to rave. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, If you knew me, you'd know how ridiculous, like, how. That is just not going to happen. <laughs> as much as I want to be in a movie. <laughs> you can act. You can get good. Yeah, no, I can't. Um, right, I'm going to... I I kind of touched... I'm not going to do on that. I'm not going to do that yet. Yes, I am. I did talk to... Because I just interviewed your mate, Jen Ashworth. Yes. And you guys do another thing together, The Curious Tales. Is that, yeah, is that? yeah, the ghost story. Yeah. So we've not done it this year because we've all just been too busy, but... Um, we've done three collections now, yeah. um, which is just great fun, kind of performing ghost stories in winter in atmospheric locations. Yeah. has just been great fun because we all love ghost stories, you see. I do yeah. love ghost stories, which I know doesn't really fit with the kind of high drunken comedy that I normally write, yeah. but it is very much the other side of my personality, which is this kind of goth, quite gothic yeah. um, person, I suppose, and writer. And I do, I love a good ghost story. Yeah. Maybe it's the adrenaline. Maybe that's the link between that and the boozy stuff. It's yeah. the adrenaline rush of yeah. being afraid. Yeah, maybe. But I love it and I'm drawn to it. And, um, mm. and it's it's really good trying, it's really interesting trying to write something scary. Yeah. What makes something scary Yeah. in words on the page. So yeah. that's, that's um, yeah, great fun. I love working with Jen. She's ace. Yeah. So you, you also mentioned that you moved to Bristol. So you're not Brighton. in Brighton. Seaside. I always get them wrong. <laughs> See, I'm so foreign. It's not, I try to pretend like I know what I'm talking about when I talk about England. I have no idea. That's fine. I don't know the South that well either. So why are you there and not Manchester anymore? Uh, very few reasons. I was in London for a while. Yeah. Um, just to kind of live somewhere different. Hmm. And because I'd always wanted to try living in London yeah. and see if I could do it and see what that could bring. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, did it for a year and it sort of rinsed me. Yeah. Financially, spiritually, say, emotionally, yeah. Yeah. in every way. I was a husk yeah. by the time I left um, left London. But, um, but it was, yeah, it was probably the part of London that I was living in, which is very hipster, sort of East London. Oh, yeah. Um, way too much for someone who's 35. Yeah. But anyway, I did it. <laughs> and then after that, I met Ian, my partner, and he lives in Brighton, and his right. work... Was, was less portable than mine. Okay. And also, I love the seaside. It's yeah. really good for my soul. Yeah. And I just love being by the sea and walking by the sea. Even though it's windy most days, it's just exhilarating. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, okay, come on, we'll do this. And then, so I moved down there, and, and yeah, it's great. Brighton's great, and I'm near London, so I can get yeah. up. And actually, getting to Manchester, I get to Manchester about once a month yeah. to see family and friends. And that's only, it's like four hours door-to-door. So yeah. it's doable because I can write on the train. Yeah. And writing on trains is one of my very favourite things. So, so it's all fine. Really? It all works. Yeah. I could not manage that. Why not? It's great. Well, because it's, it's just, biscuits. Yeah, if you if if you're on a quiet, maybe in the quiet car. Yeah. Well, or just, first class no, or something. No, it's when you travel. You've got to choose your times, right? right you see, you're no good around Russia. No. You need to be travelling from out from London at about two, and you need to be okay. travelling down from Manchester the other way at about eleven thirty. Right. And then it's a breeze. Cool. That's what you need to do. It's right. all about the timing. Yeah, I don't know. Um, okay. Consulting my notes now that I quickly tried to respond. Those two kids on there on those sheets. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it is bonkers. This festival. I can't figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, 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 this, this is my first one. This is your first festival. My first British oh, right. music festival. Well, no, that's not. That's a lie. I went to another one, but that doesn't count. It was small and down. What was it called? 
It was a really family oh, one. This is the first like full on so, one I've yeah, been to. Okay. I have no idea kind of how big it is. It's my first time at this one. Yeah. Um, so I've no idea kind of like what the sort of boundaries are like or how it's, far it's. It's huge. Is, is it huge? Well, my, my, where's the main stage then? That's I don't know. That's not I have no idea. I have no idea. <laughs> I don't even know if there is one. I can't find anything. And as soon as I start walking, I'm lost. Um, right. I'm going to talk to you about, because Jen, I said to Jen Ashworth, tell me some things about Emma that I, I should ask oh her about. Oh, God. And to be honest, it's just really random things and I was a bit oh, drunk really? when we were talking okay. so I just wrote well, these things wait. down and I don't even remember why I wrote these down can't wait to hear these okay first one <laughs> she has a lion tattoo <laughs> I do <laughs> please tell me it's not three of them no oh I thank god for that um, it's not some kind of football thing. oh wow okay. so this actually connects to Manchester so this lion yeah. exists as a real massive metal sculpture in Heaton Park which is a massive park, big, mm-hmm. Europe's biggest park. Oh, um, hello. In Presswich, um, and that's where I grew up, that's where I was born and where I grew up. And my dad used to take uh, me and my sister to the park every Sunday, and we sat on this lion. Right. There's another lion, there's two lions, a male and a female. Yeah. And and the back of this lion is actually worn, worn smooth from kids' bottoms ah, right. over you know the decades. Yeah. And, um, and when I left Manchester to move to London, I thought, I want, I want to get him tattooed on my arm. Yeah. Um, because I love him and because yeah. he's so important because it's like a little kind of, you know, sort of nod to, to my hometown as well. So yeah. I took a photo of him and then got it done by a woman on the Wirral. And I think ah, she's done a very good job. She has done. It's a, Wikipedia says you're from Barry. Uh, I know, but that's kind of, it's kind of true and it's not true. So Barry, I went to school in Barry. Right. And Barry... I don't know how the councils kind of work, and I know they've shifted over the recent What's England? Sort of decades. So it's, <laughs> it's so weird, right? Yeah. So I think Presswich used to be in Bury, okay. so that's why, in a way, I might be. And I went to school okay. there, but actually, I think of myself as being from Manchester. Yeah. Uh, just do because I hung out there more in my yeah. formative years. So yeah. it Feels. Um, well, you sound like you're from there. And it's there. cooler, yeah. Yeah, from, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do sound it. I try my best. Yeah. No, it's good. <laughs> um, right. She told me to ask you about camper vans and frostbite. Oh, okay. And I thought yeah. that was quite apt because we're at some kind of festival-y thing. Yeah. Do you know what she's talking about? I was actually ogling camper vans and motorhomes as coming through the, the tent field yep. before the camping field um, because, yeah, I do have an obsession with them. And right. I actually go... I've been going off in a motorhome on my own to write for a few weeks of every year mm. since for about seven or eight years now. Yeah. And I go up to Scotland in the Highlands usually. Um, and do you know and who else does that? Do you know who Will Min? I don't even know how to say his name. Will Minwire? Min, when he just was longlisted for the Booker Prize. Oh really? He wrote his book in a camper van oh, driving around busted. Scotland. So now he gets. Now I look like I've copied him. No, 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 no. You're first. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, why did I say that? Come on. But it's a really good thing to do, and I think I can understand why. I think it was. You know, it's brilliant for for writers because you've got you've got a desk on wheels essentially and yeah. constantly changing scenery. And so if you get stuck or you feel like, you know, things, your book's getting a, a bit tired or stayed or, or you're just not feeling um, you're just not feeling energised about it, you just get behind the wheel and you drive to the next place. And yeah. just the driving itself, I love driving, especially yeah, yeah, on quiet yeah. roads with music on. So yeah. just that kind of sets me up then for the next stop and kind of the next kind of thousand words or whatever I'm going to do. Yeah. So so it just it really works for me and I just love the adventure. I think I've got like quite a sort of... Um, 
a slightly nomadic soul mm-hmm. um, and I love kind of being out in the wild on my own and just sort of having having those kinds of adventures and having that time away from everyone and everything is really important mm. um, to reset my head and just to kind of to, to write and to be kind of really creative in a bubble yeah. which works for a little while and then of course you've got to kind of contextualise it but, but I think you know yeah. just having that seed of kind of creativity where actually you think it doesn't matter whatever is going on anywhere else at the moment mm-hmm. I am making this thing and it stand, it holds on its own yeah. and I think that is what I get from those trips so do you never have anybody reading your stuff while you're writing it very rarely okay so you very write the whole few. do you no one's no one had read this one this new one that I've written um, no one's read that until this week oh, so brilliant. yeah it's been oh, this is so good I, I, this, is best, <laughs> this is my favourite thing about this podcast is when I get to hear stuff from from writers that Fresh. never been heard so it before was, it's very first drafting it's very badly it's kind of like Fantastic. not edited at all yet yeah so your agent um, if they're listening to this is like panicking yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. tell me that bit that bit's really about to lie us yeah. oh she'll change it she'll yeah. change it yeah. <laughs> it'll be better yeah. um, but the frostbite incident that Jen's referring to is because one year I did a very ill-advised thing about three years ago I got really drunk on mm. my own in my motorhome um, parked in this really remote campsite so it was like I think I'd gone in February yeah. and um, and I'd, I'd kind of roughly planned my route and um, and a few of the campsites were open but really not many of them especially out up in the up in the highlands mm-hmm. um, and one but one lady that I spoke to said well the campsites not open and you won't be able to use there'll be no toilet and there'll be no electric plug-in mm-hmm. but what you can do is you can just park there and then it's like sheltered and you're off the road and it's just kind of like safe and stuff right what so, time of year are we talking this is like february so so apart okay. from like kind of yeah potentially getting snowed in yeah. and the roads not being open um you i was very 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 alone um so i kind of parked up um, and it was amazing. I was right by this lock, and the rain was lashing, and the wind was buffeting the, the van. And it was just, yeah. it was, it was amazing and elemental. Yeah. And um, however, I got really drunk, and because there was no hookup, I didn't have the heater on in the van, and the gas I'd forgotten to hook it to do it on the gas. Yeah. And I fell asleep with my leg, my foot out of my sleeping bag. <laughs> oh, and when I woke up, two of my toes were like bluish white with a purple ring around the bottom of them oh like God. where the blood had stopped so I started freaking out and because I'd not had an electric hookup my phone had died I had no laptop so I couldn't like Google there was no Wi-Fi or anything like that so I thought what do I do yeah. do I rub these like hell and yeah, they yeah. come back to life or do I try and drive to a hospital or someone who might be able to help yeah. so I rubbed and rubbed and rubbed and rubbed and, um, and they came back to life. Oh, but I was good. thinking, I'm going to lose these. Yeah. You know, I'm going to lose these. I'm going to have stumps <laughs> yeah. to kind of like, you know, prove my trip. Yeah. Um, and kind of how, how foolish I am just not sort of looking after myself. But I didn't. And, uh, and then I was like euphoric. Then. Yeah. As soon as they came back to life, I was like, woohoo! <laughs> yeah, no like, yeah. Felt like a survivor. Back on the road. Back on the road. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Next stop, the Arctic. <laughs> yeah. um, she said you something to do with astronomy I don't even know is this, is this right oh. if I, I can't remember if I wrote this down right astronomy yeah I do love astronomy I do love um, okay. space yeah. and the cosmos and thinking about that and physics um, and that's kind of I was actually talking about this with someone the other day just saying that I really feel like I miss science sometimes mm. Because I feel like, certainly in the education system in the UK, you really have to choose whether you're arty or sciencey. Yeah. Um, and I had to make that call when I was about, about like 12 or 13. I think that was when I was like starting my GCSEs. 
and um, and I had to choose kind of what what kind of sciences I was going to do and how many sciences I was going to do out of the nine that yeah. I, you know GCSEs that I could take. So I had to I felt like I had to choose, and, and it was really it was quite upsetting really because I, did, I, I loved science and, I, and as much as I loved writing, yeah. but I just felt a bit more sort of like strongly attached to writing, and that was the way forward I wanted to go. Yeah. So that was that was kind of the way that I went, but it was it was rotten really to have to come to that fork in the road. I hate the English school system. Mm-hmm. I hate everything about it. Yeah. And I, I can't I don't understand the whole I don't understand like it's so the thing that I when I read this bit, I could not believe that this is something that happens in a West, in the Western world. But a kid like it's bad enough that they've all gotta be in these school uniforms or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Like little I don't soldiers basically. <laughs> totally. But the the fact that one kid he shaved his head and I know this is so anecdotal but it just and it daily mail and it but it drove me crazy. <laughs> Shaved his head because when his kid, his friend had cancer, and they put him in isolation because Whoa. you're not supposed. That's it. It was against the school rules about so how they can have their hair. So you know when my dad was at school, there was one teacher who used to punish the children by hitting them with a huge wooden fish. Isn't that like just <laughs> really sick? Yes, and surreal. It is. That's like really been thought through as like a really kind of like special kind of torment for children. Yeah, but why kind of a fish? It's imaginative like, in a really cruel and weird way. Yeah, but that's kind of especially with like a cartoon that's fish that's smiling or something as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be horrifying. There's so much about this country that baffles me yeah. more and more so in recent months. Oh, I don't even. I can, but, um, do you know what? I've, uh, yeah, I've, I can't I've, even go there. I've wasted so many hours of breath on the whole Brexit thing, <laughs> I and I can't. I can't even mention it in the podcast again. No, I know, I know, I know. It's until it, until it, yeah, until it really goes tits oh up. Oh my god, I know, it's horrendous. Um, but I, yeah, I do miss science, and I'd like to go back to university and study physics at yeah. some point if I can ever afford it. I'd like to do that. Well, you must be famous enough now that you can uh, get hooked up with Foxy Coxy at the University no. of Manchester. No, do you know? I'd love to. I'd love yeah. to. Yeah. Um, I sent in my first book, which did have elements of. Um, very sort of like cod astrophysics in it, um, but he never replied. So I don't know. If did he, he not? Did he? Yeah, yeah. Do you know yeah, he's because he? well he's a he works at the University of Manchester now, mm. like, and uh, he actually goes to like when new staff are recruited, he goes to the inductions. Does he? Yeah, oh, that's nice. I don't mean that he just showed up at his induction. It's like what? <laughs> he wasn't at mine. That's cool. I know. I don't know how many he does. So yeah, he there, he still has some kind of touch with. Actual humans. He keeps it real. Yeah. yeah. It real. I don't know how often he does it. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he just did it the once. Maybe just the once. Yeah. That word's got round. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'd like to go back. I would. I'd like to go back to uni and study physics if I ever could one day. Because it does. It informs my imagination a lot. Yeah. And I end up writing about about it in, in various ways. And I'd like to be more informed. And I think that in terms of like where we are at in the humanity's discoveries, we are mm. on the brink of huge discoveries, I think, in physics and in science. And yeah. I think it will be so interesting to see where we are in, you know, 50 years from now, we'll look back and we'll be like, flipping heck, you know, look at, the, you know that then. And it was like, yeah. this huge thing, what yeah. they're finding with subatomic particles, with what little I grasp of that. Yeah. It feels like there's, there's a huge discovery just around the corner. Yeah. That, um, that's something we've really taken for granted and missed. That's Do you know, massive. When, you real, like, when you know that, that we're, the scientists are so good at discovering and doing things mm. that they, they're taking the piss they get bored mm. have you seen the smallest animation in the world no it's, they've taken atoms that they you can they're so these they've got mag, they've got um, microscopes that are so good now they can see atoms they can see them can you watch this on YouTube it must be on YouTube yeah. somewhere but anyways they, they made this little it's, then got the, the atoms to line up into like a little happy face and a stick man and do a little dance wow 
I, it could, I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make sure I got this right yeah. before I leave it in the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> but it's, it's that good. sounds amazing. You just think, you're just too good at stuff if you're doing like, if you're bored with... You see, I was impressed with Flea Circus and the idea yeah, of that. Yeah. But I mean, atoms doing theatre, that's next level. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. But I think, I, I, see, I'm such a dunce that I think that, you know, the more you learn about the science side of things, especially with space, the less fun it is. This is, yeah. Like, as soon as you start talking true. vectors and stuff, you're like, ugh. Yeah, yeah. I just want to see Saturn <laughs> real close. <laughs> wow, rings. <laughs> you know, you can book a, you can book a seat on Virgin Atlantic. Atlantic Galactic. Galactic, rather. Mm. Um, I think it's like a quarter of a million pounds. Yeah. Something crazy like that. Um, but I think you can also go to Mars in 2060. I don't know if there's... Sti- is that ticket. still happening? Because I heard about it, and then it just went quiet. And you're like, that's the sort of thing that just does not go quiet. Like, what happened to these people? Are they going? They're going to be, you'd have to be insane for a start. Like, I mean, I like space as much as the next guy. And the idea of being able to go into space. But I also like coming home. Yeah, I know. To a place that's got trees and stuff. I mean, I'd go if I was like, how old am I going to be then? So it's going to be the... So I'm going to be like 70, aren't I? Oh, then? yeah. Is that right? So that might be all right, actually. Yeah. It's either that or a massive blowout in an old folks' home for me, yeah. I think. Mars or just, yeah, absolutely having a massive bender in a retirement home. i tell you home. what, Mars makes more sense. Yeah, it does. But would they be like, what are they going to do there? Are they going to, are they seeking to build a colony there? So they wouldn't, would they want someone who's 70 going? Would they, or they have like restrictions about kind of, you know. <laughs> you could just tell stories. You're going to get there. Well, remember back in my day <laughs> to, to entertain. Yeah, well, that's my dream to be yeah. like Margaret Atwood, this sagacious, pre- sagacious, I can't even say it, I'll never be yeah. <laughs> a wise old woman. Yeah, she's at the, uh, she's at the Manchester Literature Festival again this Is year. She? Mm, oh. I saw her speak last year. Yeah, I heard her talking about um, the Brighton Festival, actually, talking yeah. about birds and kind of um, her love of birds, but also her love of domestic cats, which is something I really relate to. Because oh, being a bird got, lover and like a cat both, lover. I know, it's, uh, I do, and she doesn't. And, and mm. actually, the domestic cats are, are responsible for a real decline in, yeah. you know, in, in the they bird can, population. They massively killers. kill birds. They're killers. Yeah. yeah. But um, there's a cat in my neighborhood that killed a wood pigeon that was really noisy on, that, on the top of my chimney. So I was like, I like that cat. High five in the cat. Yeah. If it's a wood pigeon, I'm like, good. Just, just get them, get rid of them. Such a, but I mean, you know, little blue tits, don't leave those ones alone. I know, my cat emptied a wren's nest one oh, time. Oh, no! Brought in chick after chick after chick. We kept it in for days and then she went out again. The only thing she didn't kill was... Um, Frogs and toads. She'd bring them in completely intact and drop them on the floor, mm. and they just look at you like, "What the hell is that?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Explain this to me. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, <laughs> and then just swan out. <laughs> but then what? She's Job done. She, she lives with my mum and dad now, sadly, because I couldn't take her to London because she's a very outdoorsy cat. Yeah. It wouldn't have been fair in a little flat in, in the central London. Um, and she brings them. This is this is really gross, but she brings them just the kind of internal organs of mice. My- just yeah. like the, the kind of the livers and the kidneys yep. and the heart and stuff. And I said to my friend Amy, um, who's from Orkney, I said, you know, what is this cat doing? This cat? And, and she said, because she worked with um, animals and livestock and stuff, Amy said, it's the best bits. Yes, She's bringing right. the best bits. That's exactly right. Choice we, morsels. We have, four, we have farm cats, because I grew up on a farm. We have farm <laughs> ah, cats, and they do, they, they pile, there'd be piles of them. Just Piles like, of mouse offal. Well, gra- uh, groundhog heads <laughs> oh, connected to the innards and everything else gone. But I think at the end of the day, if they're eating them, I'm like, well... It's useful. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to waste, And they're not, they? they're not pretty birds. They're just... <laughs> I don't know. I can't... No, I, I can't justify it. <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to ask you one more thing. 
and then I'm going to get you to read. That was so good, by the way. Hey. Amazing. I treat people well, you know. Do you? Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> Such a great host. Yeah. Delish. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, Yates. And Yates. this is good okay. because Jen mentioned it and you mentioned it in your, yeah, in yeah, your yeah. novel. Yes. Okay. You read so that bit. I, yeah. So I love Yates. He's yeah. my favorite poet. Mm. Um, because he's romantic and passionate and weird and slightly spooky um, and writes so much about so many of the issues that I was looking at in animals all about getting old and about our own mythologies Mm. and um, and the mythologies that society sets us up for as well and um, and booze and wine and the way that they can just take over an evening and take you on a different path Um, and and I just no other poet and I, I don't read enough as much modern poetry, contemporary mm-hmm. poetry as I should. Um, but from all that, that I do read and that I have read, he just touches my myself in a way yeah. that no one else does. Um, so that that part did come very much from sort from me because I did want Laura and Tyler in the book to be pretentious, yeah. and I wanted them to be drinkers and flanners and wanderers of the city. And I also wanted them to be kind of gobbing off with all these yeah. pretentious literary quotes and, and poetry as well, which actually I wanted to be a mixture of annoying and endearing because I actually love people who talk like that yeah, sometimes yeah, yeah. and then they'll drive you mad if they do it too much. Yeah. But, but, you know, a little bit of that is actually really entertaining mm-hmm. and um, and sort of, just, yeah, just just kind of maybe that sort of the, the little fusty academic part of me really likes um, people who talk like that too and, and, and beautiful lines kind of, you know, will always have a place especially after a few a few drinks I just yeah. think that's really, really nice, so I kind of wanted them to want her to quote Yeats yeah. um, because of that as well because he suited it thematically yeah. but also because his words and just like he can say things that I could ne- couldn't have said better, so that line that I, that I just read out there, the um, loveliness that has long faded from the world I mean, I know what that means when you when you you know you hold someone and yeah. and that feel they feel like that. I could never say that better. So mm. why not just just, just put Yates in then yeah. like, and then anyone who hasn't heard that line or whatever can yeah. enjoy it and, and share it. So when Caitlin Moran calls the book with nail with girls, mm-hmm. are you happy about that? Yeah. Are you okay? Um, so that was with nail was an inspiration for the book because that was two characters who were kind of bumming around feeling as though they were sort of cultural commentators in yeah. some way and, and slightly superior but also slightly tragic especially yeah. the with male characters are very tragic <laughs> massively um, tragic massively tragic <laughs> but I also like the style of that filming that there's lots of physical comedy and I love physical comedy yeah. so there's lots of that there's lots of farce and plus it's just hilarious like the lines in it the one line is yeah. amazing yeah. in that film aren't they so mm. so so yeah so, that so I can say I, I was going to say I was going to say at the beginning I could see the, the connection and I was going to mention it myself and then I thought oh Caitlin Moran is done good so Good. if she hates that connection, no, I then I can blame no, no, it on her. No, 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 no. I really like that connection. It was definitely, yeah, a huge influence. Cool. Do you want to do a reading now? Yeah. I told you she was great. Physics, frostbite, and a bonus whinge about the shit education system in this country. You know, what more do you want from a podcast, eh? You'll notice from the silent background that I am, in fact, no longer at the Edinburgh Book Festival. That was a, what, a week ago now, I suppose. And I'm now back in my home office, looking across the street at at, uh, good old Pam, out there, uh, gardening. She's got two crutches now, and uh, I guess that means her hip operation hasn't happened yet. So, I, I mean, I've we had a whinge about the education system, and now let's have one about the health system. It's a joke, man. 
I do have to say, though, I am well in favor of those junior doctors. I'm not sure I'm allowed to say that because I work at the med school, but um, this is at the end of the podcast, and nobody listens to this this bit anyway, do they? A guy, and I'm not making this up, this very this has been a podcast of distractions because I've had distractions in every single section. The beginning bit was a, a complete schmoz with the shit that was going on around me. And then, I don't know, you could hear uh, the sounds of the Wilderness Festival. And there's some bits where, you know, I'm, I think this microphone picks up background sounds better than it does the people that I'm actually interviewing. If I could show you how close I was holding the microphone to Emma's face when we were at the Wilderness Festival, you would think, and have the gain turned way down, you would think that there's no way that the background sound could be heard. And yet, you could actually hear the singing. I, I couldn't hear it when I was interviewing her because I'm deaf as a post and I can't hear anything through these headphones. So I hope it wasn't too bad for you. And yeah, so as if I thought this would be the quiet bit and there's nothing's gonna happen, some dude has just gone past on one of those, not segways, because they don't really, you don't really see those in England where they actually stand with the handles. This one was like a Segway without the handle bit, just a single wheel that he was standing on and he just went straight past. So I had some things I was gonna talk about and I completely forgot about all of them because I'm too busy thinking about that weird Jetsons guy. Jetsons, eh? Nothing like a 50s cartoon reference to uh, show you my age. I didn't actually get the interview with Garth Greenwell that I was freaking out about in the intro to this. I, I got one, but not during the festival. His agent got back to me, and uh, we're going to be talking when he comes to Manchester for the Manchester Literature Festival. That is, if he doesn't listen to this and change his mind, which I completely wouldn't blame him for. So hopefully he will, that's still going forward, and um, you'll get to hear from him in October. When I finished with the intro, I actually texted my mate, Simon Savage. I think I can talk call him my mate now. We've had quite a few online discussions and a beer together. So are we mates yet? How, how, how many things do you have to do before you're actually a mate with anyone? Anyway, I texted Simon to help me uh, with some last-minute questions uh, to ask Garth when I thought the interview was going to happen. And thank God it didn't, because I went to his talk, and his talk was amazing. But Garth would have eaten me alive, really, because when he was talking about what happened in the, what's happening in the book, if you've read the book, you you're know exactly what I'm about to say, but I couldn't have been more out of my depth. So this is a book that has to be read before I interview the guy. So that's going to happen. Thank fuck he was too busy to do the interview then. It would have been an absolute disaster. The women with Irish names whose wonderfully fun show at Edinburgh I described in the intro are called Rasheen and uh, is it Chiara? Chiara? Cara? I'm so bad with Irish names. I got Rasheen, though. I didn't call her Roizen, which is quite good. Chiara. I'm assuming it's Chiara. C-H-I-A-R-A. Just Google them. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, And their show was called Wild at Heart. Uh, if you get a chance to see them, I really suggest you do it because it's really it was a lot of fun. I'm still a bit mentally scarred by the whole thing, I think. It wasn't just a faux snog she gave me that I mentioned in the, the intro. She also did a faux kind of lap dance. Well, I can't say faux because she was, 
she was on me. Um, I forgot to talk about that bit because I was probably in the midst of an out-of-body experience, really. That's all I'm saying. And go watch one of their shows because that was probably one of my favorite things at Edinburgh. And not just because I was made part of the show. Well, maybe a little bit. You know, I am a narcissist, let's be fair. I'll link to them on my Twitter page and Facebook. You know, and like some sort of social media guru. I'll also link to the Atom animation video that I talked about with Emma on there if you want to watch that. It's crazy. You just can't believe that scientists can do these things. I I wonder if she's had her baby now. It's been... How long is... Uh, how long ago was Wilderness now? It's the beginning of September, and that must have been a month ago. She may have had her kid. Maybe she's a mom? I've not been called in yet by the director of her movie set, but I'm sure they'll contact me at some point. You know, uh, I've made my pitch. I think I can do some really good acting stuff. And, uh, you know, next stop, uh, Ultra Fame. It's not going to happen. We're now going to go back in time again to the Wilderness Festival, and Emma is going to read from her new book, words that have been heard by no one but her and me and probably her agent now because she was sending it off. But now you. If you hear this reading and don't love it and don't love her, then you and I cannot be friends. Bye. I'm going to read from the very beginning of my third novel, um, which I've just finished this week. So it's very first drafty. Um, and it hasn't been edited yet, so you have to forgive me. Um, but hopefully you'll see, you'll get, you'll get a bit of, a, of the gist. Anyway, enough disclaimers. Um, all I'll say in terms of introduction is it's about, because I don't trust the beginning of the book to do this yet because it hasn't right. been edited. Um, it's about a mother-daughter relationship. It's about a 35-year-old woman who's come home to see her mother in the north in the wake of a breakup, and her mother is at a crisis point in her life, um, and and they're both their relationship is about to hit the wall because of it. So here we go. Maybe I should have bought two bottles of Prosecco. One bottle of champagne is fine, but one bottle of Prosecco, does that look cheap or mournful? I don't want my mother thinking I've gone down in the world. Just because I'm no longer living with a famous photographer, it doesn't mean my life has become some sad, despairing afterthought filled with cheap drinks and forlorn regrets. I'll pick up some cashews. Cashews show confidence. Cashews are not the purchase of a meek or half-hearted nut buyer. I trundle my suitcase up the street. Outside the corner shop, there's a sandwich board for the Unton Chronicle. Today's headline, satellite tracking for perverts. Classy. It could be an urban legend, to use both terms loosely, but apparently, after World War II, after Hiroshima, the headline was, brace yourself, the unfeasibly parochial Unton man injured in Japanese bomb blast, which pretty much says it all. Ah, Unton, my hometown. Population dwindling and not quickly enough. Hard to tell whether people are dying, moving away, or being abducted by aliens for their pelts. There are potholes in the road and a few hanging baskets dangling from the streetlights, finery bedraggled like hens that woke up somewhere random after a night out. The town's main claim to fame is a tall black pole in what passes for the town square. 
I showed it to Paul on one of the few times I dragged him up to visit. Is it a maypole, he said. How quaint. Oh no, not a maypole. As I explained, this was the meat pole. So called because in olden times, it was custom to grease the pole and fix a large piece of meat at the top every year, then stand around and watch various limber members of the community attempt to scale it. Kind of like the wicker man, but without the craftsmanship. If the climbers reached the meat, they could, they could keep it and take it home as a prize. Another way of making the poor look like assholes for entertainment. Something British society still hasn't grown out of, it would seem, if Channel 4's programming is anything to go by. Coming home, and that word presents itself, still, weirdly, after 20 years, 20 years away, I always swing between ownership and abandonment. I see new buildings that have gone up around Manchester Piccadilly, and I feel outraged. How could they? No one asked me. But then... I couldn't wait to get out of here and down to the big evil. Like Dick Whittington, I even had the cat. So I'm the worst kind of traitor, the demanding kind. I see the house decorated from a distance. There are balloons tied to the gate, wafting dangerously near the freshly clipped privets. A banner over the front door. Welcome home, my girl. Decorated with stars and glitter. But I can't help noticing it's last time's banner from five years ago after Jonathan. Normally she makes a new banner. Maybe she hasn't had time. She's a busy woman. People will keep dying. I stand on the doorstep, looking at the details of the door I know so well. The flaking paint, the shield-shaped knocker, the central window with a protrusion like a nipple. Don't get emotional, not on the doorstep. Doorstep emotions are for the cuckolded and the newborn. The door opens and there she is. A streaked copper red mullet, backcombed into a bouffant, giving her a good extra three inches. Costume earrings like orbs, spinning and glinting. Bangles all the way up her arm, loose then tight as barrel lathes, crimping saddlebag sunbed skin. A ring on every finger, a few halfway down her toes. Acrylic nails, too big, too long, displayed talons of gruffalo slippers or a particularly high maintenance mole. A woven coat across her shoulders, glitter polish, sheer lycra, gloss, smoke, mirrors. A pageant queen from a land with no pageants. A punk dusty Springfield from a realm of pagan psychodramas. My mother, everyone. Everyone, my mother. Darling, she launches at me. As we hug, I'm aware of the strange medley of feelings that always accompany her proximity. Nostalgic tenderness, compulsory idolisation and a deep, self-reflexive humiliation. She pulls back. You look fantastic. I shrug, theatrically, our old routine. Breakups become me. You look great too, ma. Oh, these old things. This old thing. Ha! I step inside. The hallway is stacked with boxes, but it smells of nothing. I remember friends coming round to the house and saying it smelled of me. Me? I had a smell. This was both pleasing and unnerving for a teenager. I'm relieved it still smells of nothing to me, that we are molecularly connected, me and this house, each other's sensory norm and default. We are kindred after all these years, somehow. I always come here in the wake of a breakup. You could say my mother is my eternally recurring, rebound relationship. Ignore those, she says, gesturing to the boxes. They're for Chicago. On the wall are her certificates, displayed here to reassure new clients. The Institution for Mediumship, Psychic, Astrological and Reiki Training. 
Advanced Psychic Mediumship, Orange County, Psychic of the Year 2008 from the Spiritualist Church of Great Britain. There's a photo of her in Yuri Geller. She has him almost in a headlock. In between these, my greatest achievements, articles I've written for magazines that she's insisted on putting in frames. One where I'm doing the plank at a gym in Camden, looking to camera, florid, anguished, the best workout for a hangover. Another, my first big feature for the local paper, where I'm on the front page in an Asda wedding dress. Supermarket wedding dresses, happy ever after or just a disaster? A question answered by the ill-fitting dress itself and also, unfortunately, by the paper's red masthead leaking and bleeding into my face, making me look so pink, making me so pink I look like I'm waiting for Kermit to turn up at the altar. There's a piece I did on ice wall climbing at a mountaineering shop. The cannily angled action shot taken just before I cried out, take my weight, take my weight, freaked with exertion, only to be told to step down, love, and look to see that despite what felt like hours of hacking, I was a mere foot off the ground. There's my first ever column for the foof about how outrageous it is that women have to pay for sanitary products. Me standing at the side of the copy, all in black, arms folded, like I mean business. Free tampon business. Is that okay? Yeah. Is that enough? Yes, Deb, it's excellent. Excellent, excellent. That's so good, man. Thank you, Chris.